Pray, uh, let me pray as I like to do. Father, open up your word by the power of your spirit so that we might be excited in you and have a greater sense of your glory and goodness, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm always really, really well ready and I do, I'm not confident enough to do this without my notes. Here we go. We're in business. So we do have, we are in our series of three Christmas carols from Luke's Gospel. Each one of them has, as Vic mentioned earlier in our service, has a traditionally in church a Latin name. We started with the Magnificat, which was Mary's song, and she is just bursting with joy because of what God is doing through her and the child she bears. It's called the Magnificat because in the um, old, very ancient Latin version of the Bible, the first word of her song was Magnificat, my soul magnifies the Lord, Magnificat. So this week we're dealing with Zachariah's song, that's the father of John the Baptist, and it is called Benedictus. Now why would you call this one Benedictus? Well, maybe it's the first word of the song in Latin. And so in the Latin version, it was Benedictus Dominus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Benedictus. Zechariah is counting his blessings and he's naming them one by one, but not just his blessings, the blessings to all the people of God. And he is overflowing with praise. And it's no wonder, because for Zechariah, all of his praise has been pent up inside him for nine long months. Zechariah is a priest. He's married to this lady called Elizabeth. They haven't had any children. They're now getting on in years, and it's probably, they're probably not going to have kids. He's a highly respected man. In fact, he's been chosen by a lot to go to Jerusalem and to uh, serve in the temple there, to enter the holy place and burn incense before the Lord. He goes inside. There's a crowd gathered outside. This is a big deal. He goes inside, and while he is in this secret space, the angel of the Lord appears to him. And says, your wife, Elizabeth, is pregnant. She's going to have a son. You're going to name him John. He will be great. He will bring back many people to the Lord. He will, in fact, go before the Lord. He will be like the, the Elijah that would come who was promised in the Old Testament scriptures. And Zechariah, with his angel before him saying these incredible things, says, how can I be sure? You see, oh, we're old. How can I be sure? And he doubts and he questions. And the angel says, you're going to be struck dumb. You're going to be silent. Now, he's taking a long time in the temple just to burn some incense. And the people outside are wondering what's happening. And when Zechariah goes out to meet them, ashen face, I imagine, can't say anything. He can't get a sound out. He's silent. He goes home and he discovers that his wife Elizabeth is with child. 
And he watches over the months as this child grows in her belly, doing the things that fathers do, feeling bellies and kicking and all in silence. Mary comes and visits them. and She sings her song and is excited because she is also pregnant with the Messiah. And Zechariah listens in silence. And then comes the time for his son to be born and Elizabeth goes into labour and she gives birth, guess what, to a son. <laughs> There's a surprise. And Zechariah picks up this son and holds this son in silence and looks at his wife, Elizabeth, and they share those looks in silence. We have a son. Who would have thought? You come to the eighth day, it's time for young John to be circumcised, as is the tradition for the Jews, and also to be named. It's a big deal. People come around. And Elizabeth says his name will be John. The people say, what? Not Zachariah? Not named after his father? And they look at Zachariah, and Zachariah gets a writing board, and he writes, his name is John which is what the angel said. And as he writes that, the silence is broken. His vocal cords come back by the power of God. And what bursts forth from him is nine months of pent-up praise. You see, for nine months, Zechariah the priest has been able to read and reflect and remember and think about what God had promised and what the angel had said to him. And his benedictus spills, spills forth from his soul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. We don't think there's been a prophet for 400 years in Israel. There's been silence for 400 years and now Zechariah prophesies. Blessing after blessing after blessing. It's a Christmas outpouring of joy. And Zechariah sings because he realizes that with the birth of his son comes the beginning of a new exodus for the people of God. You see, at the first exodus, out of Egypt, by the mighty strong hand of God, when they crossed through the sea and came to the other side, Moses and Miriam burst into song and praise to God. Zechariah, in a sense, does the same thing. God's saving acts at that first exodus was something to sing about. Because that was the great formative event in Israel's history. God called this man Abraham and he said to him, I'm going to bless the whole world through your descendants. You will become a great nation. I'm going to take you to the land of Canaan and settle you there. And you will be my people. 
God's people, in my place, under my rule. And kings will come from you, and you will bless the world. And God sealed that promise with a covenant. I will keep my part of the deal, God said, and you keep your part. And a strange thing about that covenant, God said, I'm going to take you down and put your people in Egypt for 400 years. And, and that happened. In fact, the descendants went down to Egypt in a famine and they stayed there 400 years and were made slaves. 400 years of oppression, 400 years of slavery and injustice for these descendants of Abraham, these recipients of promise and covenant. But at the Exodus, God remembered his covenant. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. Exodus 6, Moreover, the Lord says, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving and I have remembered my covenant. God remembers what he'd promised. And he visited them. He had concern for them. The word when the, the Hebrews trans, was translated into Greek, into the Greek version of the Old Testament, the word used here is this word, I better double check it, episkeptomai. God assembled the people of the elders of Israel and said to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you. I have episkeptomied you. I have visited you, I have come to you, I have seen, I have noticed and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. God is noticing, God is visiting. Exodus 4.31 And when they heard that the Lord episkeptomied them, when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. God notices, God visits, God cares. He's concerned about their slavery. So God acted then to redeem them from slavery. Now the word redeem in the Bible is a sense of being released from bondage by an outside help, by someone strong or someone rich. It could be people, it could be animals, it could be a nation. But it's a strong coming outside to release from bondage. That is redemption. That is to be redeemed. And so we read in the Exodus, God says, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. And I will redeem you. Here comes the outside help. With an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord, Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This is all redemption. And I will bring you to the land I swore his covenant with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. And it's going to be great salvation. See, God's going to deliver them from their enemies, from all those who hate them. 
He will guide them and lead them into good places. So we get to this song of Miriam and Moses and we read, this is Miriam and Moses singing, You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love you will lead them, the people you have redeemed. You hear this language? In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. The nations, the enemies, those who hate us, they will hear and tremble and anguish will grip the people of Philistia. And the chiefs of Eden will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Have I missed one here? Terror and dread will fall on them by the power of your arm. They will be still as stone until your people pass by, Lord. Until the people you brought pass by, you will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, Lord, you made for your dwelling, the sanctuary, Lord, your hands established. The Lord reigns forever and ever. That's the song of Miriam and Moses. So they are set, going to be set free from slavery, they're going to be set free to worship God, to serve God in truth and righteousness and holiness. And so when Moses goes to Pharaoh throughout the plagues, we have this repeated refrain. This is just two examples of it. The Lord, the God of Hebrews, has sent me to say to you, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. They may serve me, you could use to translate the word. But until now you have not listened. Chapter 8, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. And it's repeated many other times. They're going to be set free from bondage to be a people who can worship God in the place that he's called them to worship him. With freedom that they might serve him. This is the exodus. God's people under God's rule, in God's place. The great paradigmatic story of redemption. This is the pattern for Israel. And they don't deserve it. They've done nothing to warrant God's favour, but God says, I'm going to do it because I've made promises. And, And this exodus today is still remembered by Jews at the Passover. And in a sense, we still remember it when we do communion, which is picked up from the Passover meal. It's it's important stuff. It's salvation. Now, back to John, back to Luke. Zechariah is singing about a new exodus for God's people that starts with the birth of his son. We're going to read through the first half of Zechariah's song. Now, I've spent all that time on the Exodus because I want you to hear the echoes. I want you to hear these messages coming through in Zechariah's song. Blessed or blessed be the Lord, praise be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Outside help to set them free from bondage. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now, this is different. This is picking up promises that God made to David that one of his descendants, King David, 
one of his descendants would rule over God's people. Here it comes, says Zechariah, this Messiah figure from the house of David. As was said through the holy prophets of long ago, many, many, many times, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. Salvation from Pharaoh and the nations round about. To show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hands of our enemies, Pharaoh and co., and to enable us to serve him, same word, to enable us to worship him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Right at the start, I didn't pick it up, but the very first word was, um, let me go to Luke chapter 2 so I can remember. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them, because he has episkeptomized his people and redeemed them. This is dripping with the language of the Exodus. Because it's a new Exodus. Not led by Moses, but by the son of David, by the Messiah, the Christ. Now, why would there be a new exodus? What was wrong with the old one? It was pretty spectacular. God led his people to the promised land. He gave them his law. Here's how you're supposed to live in holiness and righteousness. The exodus was a huge success, but it was imperfect. They arrived in the land with God's law to obey in holiness and righteousness so that they might serve him. But it was a struggle because they kept rebelling against God. Israel kept doing their own thing. We had God's people living in God's land, following their own rules, living their own way, fighting with one another, fighting and abusing one another. And so the history of the Old Testament of Israel is a history of rebellion and trouble and judgment and repentance and failure and God's compassion and them being oppressed by the enemies of God, it was an imperfect exodus. By the time of Zechariah, Israel is under the rule of the Romans. They have a fake Jewish king on the throne called Herod, who's a tyrant. They have compromised religious leaders who are ser serving themselves. And Zechariah rejoices at the birth of his son because with his son starts a new exodus. God is beginning to set his people free from bondage so that they might worship him in spirit and in truth. God is raising up a horn of salvation, a source of strength, his Messiah, to lead his people to a place where they can serve God righteously in holiness and righteousness. Zechariah sings because all the hopes of Israel, he says, all those hopes which were imperfectly met by the first exodus are now going to be perfectly realized in this second exodus. 
But Zechariah's son is not the Messiah. Why would he sing so excitedly when it's all through this Messiah? Why not just sing about, hey, I've got a son and I'm old and I wasn't expecting to have a son. That's pretty good news. What will his son's role be in this new exodus? Well, here's the role for John the Baptist. He's going to be an alarm clock. He's going to be a town crier. He's going to be saying, wake up everybody, get up, get up, rise from your slumber because there's a new day coming and we want, we've got to get ready for the new day. You, my child, says Zacharias, he sings, will be called a prophet of the Most High and you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Wake up, everybody. Wake up. A new day is coming. Now, but wake up for what? In that first exodus, the enemy was clearly Pharaoh and the Egyptians and the nations that opposed Israel, yeah? Is Rome the enemy? Is Caesar the enemy? Or is it Herod? What's, 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 what are we being redeemed from? Where, where is the slavery? I mean, it's not like it was in Egypt. What are we slaves to? What will be, how are we going to be set free? Well, are you going to call us as a people and lead us into the promised land? Well, aren't we already in the promised land? Like, there's Jerusalem there. We've even got a temple, a big one. What is this new day? What are we being saved from and what are we being saved to? What is John waking people up for? What's the big deal? You will be a prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord to prepare the way for Him to give His people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. That's massive. You see, the fundamental problem was that the people of God had been enslaved to sin. That was the burden they bore. That was their entrapment. And that was what was never dealt with in the first exodus. They were given God's law to follow and all God's law did was say, gosh, you're wicked people, aren't you? Because you can't even follow these rules, which are so clear. It made it worse. In fact, their sin was what hindered the realisation of the promises of God. But when the day of the Messiah dawns, this horn of salvation, God's people will have their sins dealt with and they will know salvation through the knowledge of forgiveness. And this will happen because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. That word, rising sun. Um, 
It's the Greek word enatole. It's translated in the Old Testament Greek version when it was translated into Greek. Sometimes as the word branch or shoot. For instance, Jeremiah 23. Days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous enatole, a righteous rising sun. But in the Hebrew, it's clearly branch. A king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. There's this whole imagery in the Old Testament of God forming a branch from the line of David through which he will bring his Messiah. A shoot, new life, growing from what once looked dead. But it, it's only, that word's only used this way a few times. Most often it's used in terms of a new day or a star rising or the sun rising, such as Malachi 4. You who revere my name, the sun of righteousness will rise. It's going to anatole with healing in its rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. A new day, the new day of the Messiah, when the sun of righteousness rises. Or in Numbers 24, a star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel who will conquer God's enemies and lead to a new day. We have this imagery many times of this new day, this new rising, the light coming on the day of the Messiah. So we could read this. This will happen because of the tender mercy of our God by which the Messiah, Christ, will come to us from heaven. To shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. See, either way we look at it, it's a messianic title. And with the Messiah coming, well, he's going to shine on those in darkness and in the shadow of death. <clears throat> now, at the first exodus, Israel was in Egypt. The exodus, as Moses led them, took them out of Egypt to the promised land. Zechariah in this new exodus, this new day, sees the people of God living in their sin, in darkness and therefore under the shadow of death. Who is the enemy? The enemy is the one who would keep them in darkness and bondage. The enemy is the devil. Is the world, the flesh, and the devil trapping them under the shadow of death so we cannot escape the grave? Because the wages of sin is death. John will be born, this boy is being born to prepare the way for the Messiah. He's saying, Wake up, wake up, everybody. The new day is coming, it's dawning. The Messiah will lead us out of darkness and lead us into light and lead us into life, eternal, away from the shadow of death. He will guide our feet into the path of peace, wholeness, fullness of life. Can't help but think of that great Christmas Old Testament passage. Isaiah chapter 9. Oh, it's come out small. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. Skipping over a few verses about great conquest and triumph, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace who will guide us into the pathway of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end and he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom. You hear all these promises, upholding it, and establishing it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Great Christmas verses. This is what Zechariah is singing about. Have you ever waited for the morning? Maybe you've had just an awful night. Maybe the kid's been up all night. <clears throat> Maybe you're not well. Maybe you're sitting down at the beach or sitting on top of a mountain and you're waiting for the dawn or you're out on a boat waiting for the sunrise. <clears throat> and then the light breaks and the sun just peaks up and it gets higher and higher and the light bursts brighter and brighter and the darkness is washed away. Zechariah is overflowing with praise <clears throat> because my miraculous son is the alarm clock. Get up, the day's about to start. He's the town crier. Wake up, wake up. There's a new dawn. There will be redemption for God's people through the strong hand of God's Messiah. <clears throat> You're going to be released from slavery. Your enemies will be crushed. Satan will be defeated. You will be set free to worship the Lord as you are made to in holiness and truth and righteousness without fear. All of your days, world without end. The way has been opened up for God's people to be under God's rule in God's place led by the Messiah King, the horn of salvation, Jesus. It's going to be blessing after blessing after blessing, says Zechariah. <clears throat> and it's all been set in motion. The first domino to fall, says Zechariah, is my boy. The birth of my boy, the domino's fallen. We're off. To the new day. John the Baptist. Can you see that Christmas is a celebration of the new day? Christmas is a morning celebration. It's a really early morning celebration. Because we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that Messiah, the horn of salvation, who came to save his people from their sins. With him we have blessing after blessing after blessing. Because we who belong to him by faith, we belong to the day. We've woken up. On us, the light has shone. And we're living in the light, 
with the promise of eternal peace. We've been, the chains are broken. We've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. We follow Jesus who by his death on the cross in our place gives us this new life and sets us free from slavery to the devil and from sin. And the shadow of death has no longer any hold on us, which is transformative news. Because of God's great mercy, our sins are forgiven. We're led into the path of righteousness and peace to worship God in freedom and serve him all of our days. And so we sing carols. We sing Benedictus Dominus. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. We are people of a new day. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Blessed be you, Father God. Praise be you, because you have come to redeem your people. You have raised up a mighty agent of salvation in your Son, Jesus. You've delivered us from our enemies, from the hand of all those who would oppress and crush us. You've been faithful to your promises to Abraham. Thank you for setting us free to worship and serve you in holiness and righteousness all of our days. Give us strength by your Spirit to do this with joy, particularly this Christmas season, we ask in the name of our Saviour. Amen.